Well, I'm going to invite uh, Brother Hanum Asad up to the platform with me, and before he speaks, um, I'd like to interview you, Hanna. And uh, folks here know what's coming, so I'll uh, get untangled here. Michael, you can take. We'll we'll need that stand, Michael. Thanks, uh, but you can take this. Uh, Hanna, first of all, um, good morning, and uh, good to see you, my brother. Let me. Let's go ahead and say a greeting to the church. We'll test your mic here. Uh, good morning. Good. It's working. Okay. Uh, Hannah, where were you born? Born in Gaza. Where is Gaza? Uh, Gaza. It's uh, not too far from Jerusalem. About one hour drive. About an hour's in the drive. In Middle East. From Jerusalem. In the Middle East. Okay. And how long does it take to fly from here to there? Uh, well, it's uh, if you have a direct flight, it's. Uh, I came from Jordan to through Jordan to uh, New York about uh, 10, 11 hours. 10, 11 hours. Okay, it's a ways away. Uh, so you're born in Gaza and you grew up there. Yes. Uh, can you pretend for? Well, you don't need to pretend for this. Go back to a time when you were about 10 or 12 years old, yes. a boy growing up in Gaza. What did you do for fun? What I did for fun? Play soccer. <laughs> Play soccer. Um, you know, all different kind of sports and table tennis and. Tennis and soccer, okay. Anything to do with the ball, huh? Yes, yes. Good. Um, now tell us a bit about your family. I know your family's with you today. Um, yeah, Suhad, uh, here she is. Stand up, Suhad. Let's, great to see you this morning. <laughs> Amen. And uh, Joyce and Jolene, uh, they are little. Joyce, four, and Jolene, two and a half. And our hands are pretty full. Hands pretty full with two little girls. <laughs> Yeah, they're cute as can be, too, and uh, it was wonderful to see them today. Um, Okay, here's the pretend question. Can you pretend with me for a moment? I'll try. You'll try. Try hard. Okay. I know you're a serious person, but we're going to have some fun. Um, Let's say that I took a a credit card out of my pocket, and it's not just a gold card. It's a platinum card. Okay. And First Baptist Church has all this money. They can cover this card. There's no limit on the card. Okay. You got that? Yes. Platinum card, no limit. You don't have to pay it off. And let's suppose you had the next six months to do what you wanted to do, and you have this credit card that's going to cover the cost. What would you do? Um, for, well, uh, try. <laughs> Suhat, maybe you better come up here and answer the question, huh? <laughs> well, there are a lot of things to do. I mean, uh, personal or... Um... For the ministry, or now make it personal. <laughs> oh, um, well, <laughs> I know. Um, Not sure, huh? Maybe a little rest in Hawaii to start off. Can I get this going? Or, well, I think I've stumped you. Uh, I think there's a lot of things to do, so we'll do something with it. <laughs> Okay, I think I've made him speechless. That's not a good thing before you're going to preach. Um, A number of years ago, Joyce and I went to our American Baptist Mission Conference in Green Lake, Wisconsin. It's the American Baptist Assembly there. And uh, one of the featured speakers who gave some Bible studies and then presented in plenary sessions was Hanna Massad. I uh, had never heard of him, but uh, I was intrigued by the titles of his messages and uh, so I went and listened to Hannah preach and teach, and uh, we engaged afterwards in some good conversations. And uh, through Hannah, it was another way in which, and this happens so often when we're at conferences, but our world gets a little bigger. 
our mind gets a little more expanded. And uh, through Hannah and thinking uh, and hearing his story and hearing how he views Scripture and how uh, he's experienced life, uh, my mind grew and my eyes opened a little bigger. And as I've prayed for this moment, we've been talking for some months about him coming, and I've really, I see this as an opportunity for God to speak to you and to all of us to help us see the world a little more like I think Jesus sees the world. And so that's my hope, Hannah, and Lord bless you as you Thank speak you. today. Thank you, Pastor. Okay. Mm. Well, thank you, Pastor Steve, for the opportunity, and thank you, Church, very much for allowing me to share with you. I like to tease about my name because, um, you know, Hannah is the Arabic name for John. But Hannah here in the States, it's a female name, right? I never forget when I went to Fuller Seminary, I received these letters all the time, say, Miss Hannah and Miss Hannah. And while I was, uh, you know, at Fuller, I was pastoring First Baptist of Azusa. And one day, the, I received this invitation. They said, we know the pain you're going through as a wife of a pastor. <laughs> this conference made it special for you, but I didn't go, so. <laughs> you know, I want to share with you about what, you know, how to face the storm in your life. I'm sure every one of us here in this place went through different kind of storms in our lives. Maybe when we lose a loved one or go through serious disease or um, difficult relationship. But what is the cause of the storm? You know, many times I am the cause of the storm in my life. Sometimes the people around me could be the cause of the storm. Sometimes because we live in a fallen world. Sometimes the Lord allow us to go through different kinds of storms. And also many times Satan is beside the storm. But one thing, loved one, I want to assure to you this morning, regardless what is the cause of the storm in your life or my life, the loving God who created you and me in His image, He will never leave us or forsake us. He will continue to be with us in this journey, journey of life and journey of faith. And this is what makes this journey so excited that you didn't have to take it by yourself. But to realize the loving God who created you and me in His image is walking alongside of us. I think this is something so powerful and so beautiful in our life to see the loving God is walking with us alongside. You know, the first storm I want to share with you this morning, which is in verse 22, I call it the storm of conflict. It says in verse 22, Jesus compelled the disciples to get into the boat while he dismissed the crowd. Imagine with me this scene that the crowd very excited, they want to make Jesus a, a king, an earthly king, because just a few verses before that, he did one of the greatest miracles in Matthew 14, where he fed thousands and thousands of people. And people very excited, they want Jesus to be a king. And now, Jesus will refuse to do that, and the disciple probably will sympathize with Jesus, 
And maybe there will be kind of conflict or, if you will, a fight between the disciples and the crowd who want Jesus to be a king. But Jesus, out of his grace and out of his mercy, he compelled the disciples to get into the boat because he wants them to avoid this kind of conflict. What I try to say, to say, loved one, that the Lord, many times, out of his grace and out of his mercy, didn't allow us to go through different kind of trials in our life. And this is what we pray in the Lord's Prayer. Lead us not into temptation. And the Lord does that sometimes in our life out of His grace. But you know, in the same time, the Lord allow us to go through different kind of trials or the tribulations in our life. As we will see in Matthew 14, when the disciples we are in the midst the Sea of Galilee, facing the storm. But after Jesus put the disciple into the boat, the scripture said Jesus went to the mountainside by himself to pray. You know, I try to remind myself, if Jesus, the Son of the living God, he felt he needed to spend time with the Father in a prayer, how much you and I, if you will, the sons of Adam, need to spend time with the Lord every day in a prayer. You know, loved one, life is so fragile. You don't need me to say that to you. Life is so fragile and we need to handle it with a prayer. And we see in the second storm, in verse 24 of Matthew 14, it says, the boat buffeted by the waves. And Jesus left the disciples in the midst sea of Galilee, in the midst of the storm, for at least 9 hours to 12 hours. And the question why? Why Jesus didn't come immediately to deliver the disciples? And maybe this is how you felt, or I felt sometimes, why the Lord didn't come now and to help me. If every one of us here, loved one, this morning have time to share about difficulties, problems, trials in our lives, I could share with you quickly some of the difficulties we went through, as I shared this morning on, on Sunday school, that the persecution in Gaza started in 06 in February, when we received the phone call in the middle of the night, whereas my wife is working, and they say there is a bomb in the Bible society, there is an attack. And this has happened again a year after, when we received the phone call about 2.30 in the morning, that there is a bomb, there is an attack. Whereas the militant want to put explosive material in the church building, and they're in the process to doing that, but by God's grace, that thing is stopped, but they're able to do some damage in, in the Bible society. When some team members in the ministry in Gaza received a, a threat phone calls, and when we received the letter of a threat that people, militant people don't want us to be there as, as a Christian to minister and it, there's time when it wasn't easy. But how to face the storm in your life and how I faced the storm in my life. And I never forget uh, when they are a friend of mine who's a uh, leader in our church, in Gaza Baptist Church, and who also worked with my wife in the Bible Society when he had been a threat by a militant person. And when uh, about a year ago or so, he had been abducted by this militant group, and we've been waiting for him to come to the church, but he didn't show up. And immediately we realize he's in the hand of the kidnappers. And we're able to speak with him a little bit, but he wasn't able to speak much because he's surrounded by this group. 
And 6.30 afternoon, his cell phone was closed. We didn't know what to do, where to go. We just prayed. And I never forget that night. I went to bed pretty late. It was Saturday night and Sunday morning. I was preparing my sermon for the church on Sunday morning. But 3 a.m. on Sunday morning, I called him for the last time, but there is no answer. And a few hours after that, I think it's the most difficult moment in my entire life. And I just heard above my head somebody yelling, shouting, screaming. And it was my wife. She tried to wake me up. She just received a phone call that they found the body. And just 10 hours after he'd been abducted, Rami been executed by two bullets from a short distance. One in the back of his head, damaged the forehead. And probably this is the bullet which killed him. And another bullet from the side and came out of his shoulder. And when Rami murdered, he left the widow Pauline and two children, George, two and a half, and Wissam, one year old, and his wife was pregnant. It wasn't an easy time. You know, sometimes the Lord allow us to go through different kind of storms. The Lord allow us sometimes to go through different time of trials or testing. And you know, James chapter 1, he say, the testing of your faith, you know, loved one, my faith and your faith will not be tested in the good days. Our faith will be tested in the toughest time of our life. You know, the word testing in the time of James, it's used at that time to examine the coin, if it's genuine or false. And he said, Consider it all joy, brethren, when you go through different kind of a trial or tribulation. Not a joy in the problem itself. But you know, in this difficult time, to say, Lord, here am I. Show me. Teach me. And you know, you, you probably learn something you will never learn in any other time in your life. So blessed the person when he say, Lord, here am I. Help me to be more like you. And he say, the testing of your faith will produce perseverance. And perseverance will help you to be lacking nothing and be more like him. You know, when we went through that difficult time of persecution, you start to realize what is the most important thing for you in this life. And you start to realize that the most thing, important thing for me in my life is to know Him better and to make Him known. To be more like Him. And I try to remind myself, loved one, when I go through tough times, I say, Hannah, which is bigger? Your problem or your God? Which is bigger? Your faith or your trial? You know, if I make my problem bigger than my God, that's a disaster. But when I realize who I am, and to remind myself who I am as the child of God, and who my God is, things will be okay, loved one. As long as we keep our eyes on Him, He will help us in the toughest days of our life. And this is what makes this journey so excited that you, you, you will not be alone, and you will never be alone because the loving God is walking alongside of you. And this is not just words to preach, loved one. Because when we went through tough times in Gaza, when we received all these different kind of threats, when you are so tired and so exhausted, and maybe not able to take one step farther, you feel His loving arm is carrying on. And almost literally sometimes, loved one, as if you feel the presence of God, and the hand of God, and the Lord is walking with you, every step in the way. And you know, the Lord put in my heart, He say, 
the safest place for you just to be in the midst of my will. He said, if you are in the midst of my will, and if you are in the worst place in the world, like Gaza, that will be the best place for you. But if you are out of my will, you hear me, loved one. If you are out of my will, and you are in the best place in the world, like America, maybe that will be the worst place for you. So the safest for you, loved one, and for me, God help us all to be in the midst of your will. You know, the Lord taught us just to learn from the lessons of the past. You know, the disciples didn't realize that it's Jesus who's walking on the water. They thought he's a ghost. And they didn't realize it's it's the same one who helped them and provide for them. Just a few verses before that, in Matthew 14. He's the same one able to deliver them in the midst of the storm, and they missed it. I never forget when I received that phone call, 2.30 in the morning. I drove in the empty streets of Gaza with few young men from our church. And I just stood in the front of that site, where is the bombing? And where is the attack? I said, Lord, we help the people, we love the people, we try to do everything we can, and look what they did. And I just heard the voice of the Lord deep inside saying, Hannah, you remember what happened a year ago with the first bomb? I said, yes, Lord. Do you remember how I comfort you? I said, yes, Lord. Do you remember how I help you to overcome? I said, yes, Lord. And he said, as I helped you a year ago, I will help you at this time. I will never leave you or forsake you. I will be with you always. And this is our hope. And our faith in the Lord, who is with us always in all circumstances. But why, loved one, when we go through tough times, we forget how the Lord helped us the last time. As He provided for you a year ago, He will provide for you this year. And He will be with you in the future. And this is what makes this journey so excited that you didn't have to take it by yourself. But He's with you all the way. And you know, loved one, the Lord Jesus said to the disciples when they are in the midst of the storm in the Sea of Galilee. He said to them, be encouraged. It's I. Don't be afraid. And God help us to overcome fear. To be honest with you, because sometimes there was fear all over us when we have all these different kinds of threats. But we know fear not from God. Because the scriptures say God didn't give us a spirit of fear and bondage, but He gave us a spirit of adoption where we call Him Abba, Father. And when we felt, you know, things has become very close and very personal, at that time we felt really we have to be honest with ourselves and honest before the Lord how serious we are about our faith in the midst of all these threats. And I remember in one of the prayer meetings came to the Lord, I said, Lord, I don't know what will happen. But if something happened to me, I know you will take care of my wife in a way better than I do. And if something happened to me, I know you will take care of my children in a way better than I do. It's not easy to pray such a prayer, but you really have to be honest with yourself how serious you are about your faith. Do you really want to continue to do ministry? Do you want really continue to follow the Lord? And the Lord help us to hold to His promise in the midst of the storm. And this is what He said to the disciple. He said, it's I. 
And you know, the way he revealed himself to the disciples is similar how Jehovah, God, revealed himself to Moses. Moses asked the Lord, Who are you? So I will tell Pharaoh and the people. And the Lord said to Moses, I am who I am. Which means, Moses, there is no time when, when I'm not there. And also I believe these words mean, Moses, all your needs will be met through me. And I love the words of David, loved one in Psalm 23. He didn't depend on his kingdom, didn't depend in his wealth or his army, but he said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. Which means all my needs, physical need, emotional, spiritual, physical, you name it, will be met through him. And this is to bring comfort to my heart and real contentment and real satisfaction that there is nothing in the whole universe can fill the emptiness or the vacuum in the heart of any human being except the one who created me and you and in his image. And the same thing for us as a believer to know that all our needs will be met through him. Let's continue to bless our hearts and our life. And you know, the Lord just in these difficult times taught us what this discipleship is all about. Do you know, loved one, the word Christian or Christians just mentioned it three times in the whole Bible. Just three times. But the word disciple mentioned 232 times. The heart of God for you and for me, not only to be called a Christian, but to be real followers, to be real disciples. And this is what the Lord put in my heart. Do you want to follow me from far away? Or are you willing to follow me all the way? And when there is a price have to be paid, as a Christian, are you willing to pay that price? Or you will be hesitant, or you will be withdraw? You know, this is what Pauline, the widow, said a few days after they murdered. She said, if Rami, her husband, came back, I will be losing him twice. I will be losing him in this life and in the life to come. Because she knew this militant group will not allow him to come back as a Christian. But you know what? In the toughest moment, he kept his eyes on the Lord. And this is what, what she said. If for a moment he started to think about his oldest son, George, he will be back. But in the toughest moment of his life, he kept his eyes on the Lord. And I think, loved one, we shouldn't be surprised if the Lord allow us to go through that road, the road of Dolorosa. Because there is no disciple better than his teacher, and there is no slave better than his master. And if my Savior and your Savior took that road, Lord, help me, if it's your will, to keep my eyes on you, and help me, to live my life, not for myself, but to live it for you. And the Lord just taught us, loved one, when we went through the storm and the, and the fire of persecution, He taught us what His love is all about. And He said, to love one another the way I loved you, and the way He loved us, that He gave His life for every one of us. And the Lord taught us what His forgiveness is all about. And the question is, can we forgive the people who murdered our friend, our brother. Can you forgive somebody who hurt you? Can I forgive somebody who said something bad about me? And I try to remind myself, 
Either I allow bitterness and hatred to rule in my life and that will affect my relationship with the Lord and my ministry will be finished. Or I bring my hurts before the Lord and say, Lord, it's hard to forgive, but help me. Give me the power to forgive and to live by the power of your love and forgiveness. And Jesus' loved one is our ultimate example. In the most difficult time he went through, he said, Father, forgive them because they didn't know what they doing. You know, there is moments which is really hard when you go through tough times. It's difficult for me as a pastor when I see Pauline, the widow, and the children coming without their father to the church. It was really hard when George, who was two and a half years old when his father murdered, whereas every day for several months he asked his mother, where is daddy? When he see his pictures on the computer, he come hugging the computer. It's not easy to be displaced by your own people because of the persecution. It's not easy to move from one place to another. But also in these difficult moments, there was moments which inspired us and encouraged us to see the faithfulness of our friend. And this is what Pauline said one year after the murdered. She said, this is my revenge. This is my revenge that the people who murdered my husband will come to know the Lord. And this is what the scriptures say, loved one. If that the vengeance is mine, says the Lord. If your enemy is hungry, give him something to eat. And if he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Because if you do that, you touch the heart of God and the heart of many people. What is love? What is forgiveness? Is all about. You know, Jesus never took a life of a person, but he gave his life for humanity. And this is the person I want to follow. And you know, loved one, the Sermon on the Mount becomes so powerful, especially in the Middle East. Whereas hatred and bitterness and violence, you come with the humility, say, this is the way I chose to live. I want to love my enemy. I want to bless those who persecuted me. And the most powerful tool for you and for me, loved one, to live by the power of love and power of forgiveness. And you know what? The person who experienced the presence of God in his life, he will not give that for anything else in life. This is why David, when he sinned against the Lord, he said, don't cast me out of your presence. Your Holy Spirit don't take away from me. As if he's saying, if I lost the presence of God in my life, what is left for me? This is why he cried out to the Lord in Psalm 27. He said, one thing I desire. What do you want, David? More wealth? More army, he said, no, no, one thing I desire, to dwell in the presence of the Lord, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, just to enjoy and to steer at the beauty of the presence of God. And you know, the Lord put in our hearts legacy. What kind of a legacy you want to leave behind? What kind of inheritance you want to leave behind? You know, loved one, all of us, sooner or later, are going to leave this world. But the question is, what kind of a legacy you want to leave behind? Rami wasn't 30 yet when he murdered. Two more weeks to go. But you know what? The testimony and the faithfulness continue to inspire us. And the words of Paul become so powerful. When he said in Second Timothy chapter 4, 
He said, I fought the good fight. I kept the faith. I finished the race. And the good news, loved one, he finished the race well. He finished the race and he was pleasing to the Lord. And this is what the Lord brought in my heart. Hannah, I don't want you, I don't want you only to start well, but I want you also to finish well. Many of us believers, leaders, pastors, we start with a lot of passion, want to live for the Lord, and this is great. But the challenge, how many of us going to finish in a way will be pleasing to Him? Maybe this be my prayer and your prayer this morning. Lord, help me the rest of my life to live it in a way will be pleasing to you. And I think one of the most beautiful things in life, loved one, when you feel your, your time is really getting close to be with the Lord, that you're able to say to the Lord with peace in your heart, with the joy in your heart, say, Lord, what you trusted in my hands, what you trusted in my heart, I did my best. I know how. And will be wonderful to hear his voice. Well done, faithful servant. Enter to the presence of your master. May God help us. I don't know how many more years the Lord will give us. But Lord, help us all. The years of our life, the rest of our life, to live it for you. To reflect your love wherever I am in America or the Middle East. And you know, Peter... In the midst of the storm, he was able to walk for a moment on the water as long as he kept his eyes on the Lord. And the scripture said, when Jesus came into the boat, the storm stopped. You know, when you are in the midst of the storm, when you invite his presence, and this is one of the main things, loved one, help us to overcome the trials. Allow the presence of God to fill your heart and your mind, and that will help you to cast out the fear with his perfect love. And you know what? At that moment, the disciples, they saw Jesus in a way they never saw him before, and they start to worship him. And one thing I want to assure you, loved one, Jesus will come, but he will come on his time. Jesus will come, but he will come on the way he chooses to come. And when you experience His presence, you will see Him in a way you never saw Him before. And that will take you in a deeper relationship with Him. And maybe this be our prayer all this morning, loved one. Lord, help me not to follow you from far, but help me to follow you all the way. And if there is a price have to be paid, help me, Lord, to pay that price, not to be hesitant, not to compromise, not to withdraw, but to keep my eyes on you. Help me the rest of my life to live it not for myself, not for my selfishness, but to live it for you. I believe, loved one, there is wonderful purpose for every one of us. And the blessed the person who will discover God's ultimate purpose and the plan, because His choice, His plan is the best for you and for me. You know, in the midst of the storm, you don't have to be by yourself. You don't have to take it by yourself, but the loving God continue to walk alongside of you and me. And this is what keeps us moving forward, and this is our faith and our hope in a loving and living God. 
Amen. God bless you.